I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. And it's great to have your company on the show as the jump season is very much upon us. Our jumps previews continue, but I'm delighted to do something a little bit different now with uh, trainer Graham McPherson, who joins us as we talk about syndicate ownership with a difference. Graham, welcome to the final furlong. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to have your company, the Good Racing Company. I know you had the launch last week for it. Talk to me about what's involved in the Good Racing Company, ownership syndicate racing with a difference. Yeah, so they are, um, it's a, 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 an outfit that's been set up by a chap called Phil Hawthorne. And Phil um, is a big rugby league fan, uh, is good friends with Rob Burrow, who has very sadly been struck there with neuron disease. And a little while ago, Rob, uh, Phil thought, great idea if we can combine the passions of racing with a way to raise some money for, for MND research. Um, and so uh, he, he found a horse, Burrow 7, uh, and syndicated it. 
and it's been running for charity um, for Jed O'Keefe. And they've raised over £100,000 just from that one horse. Uh, and so he's taken that idea um, and he's expanding it. And he's created the Good Racing Company. And the idea is that it's going to have, well, I think they're playing eight, 10 horses in training um, over the next year, 18 months or so. Each horse will run for a different charity. And so if anyone that joins the, uh, the Good Racing Company for that particular horse, they're getting enjoyment out of being a part of the horse. They're also getting a huge amount um, out of hopefully raising money for some, some really excellent charities. Um, and the, the one that we had the launch for last week was a horse called Go Go Chicago. Uh, and he's raising money for, um, for two charities. There's Racing Welfare and Racing the School. So I'll come to you in a second to, to find out a little bit more about him. But in terms of uh, the ownership structure, I mean, this is, this is a lovely idea. Um, and the Borough 7 story is remarkable. I mean, £100,000, particularly with the current state of prize money in the UK, uh, to get £100,000 for motor neuron disease, is it's extraordinary. And it, it's great it, to it see them. Like, they've done an amazing job. It really has been a, a terrific feel-good story. And I don't think it's got as, as much publicity as it should have. It, it deserves more. But I'm delighted to see them build on this because... There's lots of people who are very interested in getting involved in syndicate ownership. I'm involved in syndicate ownership, and, and I thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but the idea this, a little bit like what Jess Stafford did with Buzz, that you could extend that out to giving people the opportunity to be involved in resource ownership, but for a very good cause, is a somewhat unique thing, and and that really is the unique selling point here. It, it, it is. It is. I mean, there, there are plenty of excellent syndicates out there and fractional ownership models, all of which work really well. But this just has that added feel-good factor to it. Um, and, and you are the, the, the people that have already got involved. And there are, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of people who have got involved in Barry 7. There are already hundreds that have got in, uh, involved in Go Go Chicago. Uh, they're doing it in part for the enjoyment of, of owning a racehorse, but in part because it is a, they know it's the, money, the money's going to, um, to a really good cause. What is your overall take on, on syndicate ownership? Oh, I, I, I think it's the future. Um, I say it's the future. It, it, it's already here. It's, you know, it is massive. And it, obviously, you know, since, since Fergal and I joined forces, we have a lot of syndicates in the yard. Um, it is a great way to get involved, whether it's four of you, whether it's 400 of you, whether in some cases it's 4,000 of you. It means there is something for everyone who wants to get involved in racing. Um, and I, I, I think anyone that um, uh, that thinks syndicates are still something a little bit unusual, something to be treated with a little bit of caution, uh, they're just not living in the real world. Yeah, they've become mainstream. And when you see syndicate horses winning at the Cheltenham Festival and indeed at, at Royal Ascot, yeah. there's something very special about that. Because growing up as a racing fan, I, I was of the mindset that, well, the only way I'm going to be in the winner's enclosure with J.P. McManus is if I win the lotto. Um, whereas now... For as much as I would very much like to win, win the lotto, and horses will be being sent your way if that happens, Graham, uh, because there's a lotto draw tonight. So who knows? You could be talking to a millionaire, and I won't forget you, sir. But you can be in the winner's enclosure. You can enjoy the benefits of ownership while also getting to meet great people that you may not necessarily have met otherwise. And and that is the the great thing. And being involved in in syndicates like. In the UK, uh, I've, I'm involved in the David Pipe Racing Club, and yeah. it doesn't really matter what percentage of that horse I have. I'm I'm part of a journey, and you're part of, of an experience and an adventure. And 
uh, you're getting behind the scenes access and you're there on race day and you get to talk to the jockey and speak to David beforehand. And there's just there's something very unique about that. Uh, and, and there's something very special about it when it's then a communal thing of uh, basically a society of people all coming together to be part of it. There's something very special about it. So to be able to add in the charitable aspect to it too is is magic. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. And, I, and I, I've, I've never met anyone who says, oh, I own a tiny, tiny fraction of a horse. It's always, <laughs> that's my horse. And it doesn't matter whether it's their horse or whether it's theirs with 500 other people. It's their horse and they're passionate about it and they love it. And as you say, they people come to the yard, people come to the races, and there's a real sort of spirit amongst any syndicate that they are there to have the very best possible day that they can, whether it's at the yard, whether it's at the um, the races. And it, it, it's a fantastic feeling, it really is. I was at an open day only a couple of weeks ago, and this fella came up to me and said that he has, he actually was almost embarrassed to, to be there. And I was like, why? And he said, oh, I only have one share. I said, Hold on a second. You own a racehorse. Doesn't matter how many shares you have. Doesn't matter if you have a million shares or one. You own a racehorse. And he went away like yeah. he was walking on air afterwards. It doesn't matter how much you're involved in it. Uh, what matters is you're part of the story. You're part of the journey. And that's that's really what, what it comes to. Uh, and you do get amazing access with, with syndicates that you just wouldn't get as a, as a racing fan on the peripheral we get treated to some great insight and interviews, but when you're on the inside as an owner, you it takes it to a whole new level and you become much more passionate about your horse and and you do describe it as your horse. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it, is, it is your horse. You, you have a picture of him on your table at home. You get to cheer him home up the hill. And it, it is, yeah, I, I, I've never known anyone... Uh, less enthusiastic just because they own a share in a horse rather than a whole horse. The passion is there, come what may. And, and as you say, the, si the size of it doesn't matter. The, um, the, um, uh, the size of the share just absolutely doesn't matter. Talk to me about Go Go Chicago. It's a great name. Um, what can, we, yeah, it is, so what can we expect from him? So th there's a story behind the name in that um, part of the, uh, well, one of the charities that he's raising money for it is Racing School, which is if you ever go racing, you might see 20-odd school children dressed in silks, looking around the race course, running up the home straight, measuring fences. And Racing to School works to try to encourage school children to understand a bit about racing, hopefully just get that passion, that enjoyment from a young age. And anyway, what, um, uh, what the Good Racing Company did was a local school near us, Longborough Primary School, they were given the opportunity to name the racehorse. And Go Go Chicago was what they came up with. He's, he's, he's um, uh, out of a mare called Chicago Vic. And they came up with Go Go Chicago. I think it's a great name. That is class. I I love it when a horse's name dates back to their to their mare, uh, to the dam. Yeah. Um. I, I really enjoy when when there's a, a clever spin put on a on a name, uh, and that is that's tremendous. But particularly, we're always trying to figure out how do you get young people into racing. And yeah. the truth of it is, it's probably an organic thing. Um. There are plenty of young people who like racing. I know that from doing this show. But to be able to incentivize them in, you know, to be able to do that little bit more is, is a huge help. And so that charity is, is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it is. So we had uh, Robert Bellamy um, from um, Racing to School came up last week uh, to the launch of, uh, of the Good Racing Company and talked to everyone that was there just a little bit about the work they do. And they, they typically take something like 15,000, 16,000 children a year racing. And, you know, if one in 100 of those decides as they grow up, 
they want to just go racing, let alone work in racing or be involved in racing, then they're doing some fantastic work. Graham, what's your overall take on the current landscape of, of British racing? Because I know that your your partner in crime, uh, Fergal, who I'm speaking to next week, um, Fergal has, has talked about a break in the summer for jumps racing. Um, and, and he's one of a number of people who've been calling for that. Donald McCain has been very vocal in it. David Pipe has spoken about it too. But it's not just I, I, the, the amount of racing. It's the fixture list. It's the lack of prize money. It's the falling attendances. What's your own take on the current state of British yeah. racing? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It it definitely needs work. Uh, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Um, I'm not as pessimistic, perhaps, as some uh, and as, as certainly as some that um, uh, that are vocal in the in the press, um, I, I agree that there needs to be less racing, and I, because I can't see how if if you maintain racing at the current volume, you're ever going to fix any of the problems, whether it's prize money, whether it's falling attendances, because you're just slicing the pie too thin. Um, what I wouldn't agree with, though, is just eking out those fewer races far better to have a quality concentrated product whether it for jumps racing is over 10 months of the year or 11 months a year or whatever it's going to be but give people a proper break have properly defined seasons look at the models that other sports have adopted other successful sports have adopted of going for a real quality product and people will love it people will really get engaged in that um and Look at look at the football tiers. You've got the Premier League, one of the best in the world. That doesn't mean that League Two doesn't have its supporters and mm. doesn't have its um, uh, its participants, and it doesn't mean that someone in League Two can't progress up the uh, up the football ladder. Um, but what it does mean is that is that Britain with the Premier League and Britain for racing should have a world class product that we can. We, we want the rest of the world to be envious of us. We don't want to be sitting here envious of what other countries around the world seem to be doing. Well, that's the fear, isn't it? Because British racing has, and indeed Irish racing as well, has traded on prestige for so long and sort of let yeah. the prize money issue start to slip away. And what we're now seeing is normally owners would be snapping up decent, high-quality handicappers from the flat to be sent jumping. And that's not happening because yeah. those high-quality handicappers are heading down under or they're headed to Hong Kong or they're gone to North America and, and that's because the prize money in, in those jurisdictions is so big. And, and look, we can't do a like-for-like like comparison with them. I understand that because the betting model is completely different and no one's going to rip that up, no matter what anyone thinks. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Uh, British racing is the way it is. But there needs to be some semblance of a workaround. And I'm not entirely sure that we're, we're seeing that being put in place. I, I don't know how I feel about this premier racing idea. I... I- well, you probably guess from what I said earlier. I, I, I'm quite in favour. I'm not necessarily wedded to the idea of, uh, of of premier racing in the way that it's being mooted at the moment. But I, I do believe there needs to be a, re- a real drive for quality. Yeah, because exactly as you say. Otherwise, if, if if we don't drive for quality, the quality that we have will go elsewhere. 
and, 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 and as a result, the top end of racing in this country will suffer. And if the top end suffers, everything will suffer. Um, because we, we need that top end and we need it to be really, really strong, both on the flat and over jumps, in order to attract everyone else into racing. I mean, it, it's a pyramid. And if you don't have a strong base, you won't have a quality top. But likewise, if, if you haven't got a quality top, what, what, what's the point in having the base? Yeah, exactly. That I, I do agree with. I, I just, I worry about the idea of like damaging the, the lower end of it or the middle tier of, of racing, because at the end of the day, oh, I, yeah. it's a major aspect of it. Um, and the yeah. the rich tend to get richer. I mean, they're well looked after. Royal Ascot prize money is really good. It's on par with Australia yeah. for the big races. Um, I mean, I, I looked that up. I know for a fact that it, it's on par with, Aust- with Australia. Nature Strip was running for the same kind of money uh, here that he does down under. But the middle to lower tier is is vitally important as well. And so- I, I, I was just going to say, it, 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 it seems to me that, that the one thing that the average owner should be able to say of the average horse is, I have a real prospect of at least breaking even this year. Yeah, And at the moment, that just can't happen for the vast majority of owners and the vast majority of horses. Um, you know, we, we've, we've got a lovely mare in the yard, Pop the Champagne. She's won four novice hurdles this year. Um, she won't break even. And when you've got a horse that, that, that's running at that, you know, she, she's no world beater, but she's good enough to have won four straight novice hurdles. And she's not going, she, ha- she won't have won enough prize money by the end of the season to pay for her year in training. And I, and I do think there's something wrong when it's like that. I'm not saying that every horse should be able to win one race and pay for its year. That is unrealistic. But but there needs to be, the balance needs to be shifted. And we need we do need to have that. And, it, and if that means that the bot, the real bottom end of racing has to um, uh, has to go or has to be, the, the shape of it has to be changed, then that is something that needs to be looked at. But, but what we can't have is, as you say, that the rich at the very top thriving and then everyone else in racing suffering because people have only put up with it for so long. 100%. And it, it's very frustrating because it's it's not easy to train a horse to win four times. And yet, as yep. as your owners it, are then getting it, the, the paycheck, yeah. they're realising, hang on a second, this isn't going to cover the, the year. It's it's crazy. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, that, that mare was brilliantly placed. I mean, for Ferg to have won four with, with her through the summer with some fantastic placing and some fantastic training. Um, but yeah, but as you say, you know, we sit here at the end, end, end of her season and um, think, well, we've had a great season. We've got four trophies. We've got four great photos, but she still hasn't paid her way. Your partnership with Fergal, how did that come about? So it, it started at lockdown, actually, and it was something that um, we, were, we were talking one day and I was um, saying that I was, I, I was as, as we got bigger, I was finding it increasingly difficult to, to, to balance everything because I obviously I do, I do the other job as well as a lawyer. Um, and I was loving the training. I was loving um, being a lawyer. I had a family that was growing up and I was struggling to do it all well. Uh, and we were talking about that and Ferg was talking about how he loved the training side of it, but the business side perhaps wasn't his strength. And we sort of realized that, that, that our respective strengths worked well together. So we talked about it for a good while. It, I mean, it took well over a year to all come together from the initial discussions to actually saying, right, let's give it a go. Let's try and put it all into practice. Um, and um, it, we, were, it, it, we were also very conscious that it was quite, well, it, it wasn't quite unusual. It, it, it was unique. No one had done it before. Um, the BHA were incredibly helpful trying to put everything together. Um, and um, it was, yeah, it was just over a year ago that we did it. 
And how is the working relationship between both of you panning out? Is it panning out as well as you had hoped? Is there, are you both of a similar mindset? Do you approach the game in similar ways or are you both learning each other's ways? No, I think we, so we'd known each other for a good while beforehand. We both, you know, we've both got backgrounds in point, points. We used to, to see each other a lot pointing. Um, and I think we do do things in very similar way. Um, uh, we, our, our, our owners, I think, have a similar profile. We trained in, the, in, in a similar way. Inevitably, when things started, there were, um, there were, there were differences. And it, it's funny, in a way, we addressed the big things, and then it was the small things that caught us out by surprise a little bit. So it took time for everything to gel and bed in. Um, and likewise, operating from two yards, even though yeah, we're only, what, 10, 12 miles apart, is still a little bit more of a, um, a hardship than if you're one big yard or, or you're only on opposite sides of the same village. Um, but we've got two great teams of people and it, it, it's working really well. I mean, crikey, look at last year, record number of winners um, for Ferg. Look at how we started this year. We're, we're already halfway to, uh, to last year's target of winners. Um, so things have, have worked really, really well. And Ferg is a very, very easy guy to get on with. Anyone that knows him knows how passionate he is about the um, the game, how hardworking he is, and just, yeah, I, it, it, he makes my life very, very easy, certainly. Um, and his partner, Sally, um, again, you know, she is absolutely indispensable as part of the whole operation. Um, she and Ferg work brilliantly together. 567,000 in prize money and 64 wins already. Uh, this season, yeah, we, we've we've had a really really cracking summer. I mean, I, it's we didn't really sit down at the start of the season and say, you know, where do we want to be by Chepstow in October? But I think if we had done, we wouldn't have been saying sixty odd winners. We wouldn't have been saying half a million pounds in prize money. Um, and yeah, we, we, we've obviously the target for this year is to beat last year's number of winners, um, and and hopefully we can do that. And obviously we had two two cracking runs at the festival last year. Um, both finished second. It will be lovely to go one better this year. Two hundred and thirty grand clear of Paul Nichols. Paul, who? Who? Yes. Well, the, the the trouble is now we're into October, November. That that gap can close really very quickly, can't it? Here they come. Here come the ditch yeah, and big yeah. guns. Uh, but it is. It's terrific to see it going so well. And. I spoke with William Muir earlier this year, uh, actually it was the day before the King George, and uh, he was talking about partnering up with Chris and and how Chris felt that he wouldn't really have got the opportunity to to make it without uh, partnering up with, with someone, and, and William was prepared to do that. Um, yeah. And it is becoming a, a, much, a much more... It's becoming a bigger thing. I mean, it's huge down in Australia, but it's becoming a, a more common sight, and it's not just father and son, father and daughter. It's trainers realizing look we're better together than than against one another essentially and you're a great example of that what well, yeah I, I agree I, I think it's wonderful that you can have sort of family partnerships as you say whether it's father son father daughter um brothers whatever um but it is i think that the the days of a single trainer being able to run a yard and run a training organization and run the business that is associated with it and look after the owners as they need to be looked after and they deserve to be looked after and to run social media and, and to do absolutely everything. I think it is almost impossible for one person to do that now and certainly for one person to do it in a yard of any size. Um, and so I can, I can see it becoming more and more common in the future that people do say we're, we're, we're just so much stronger together than, than as two individuals. Yeah, especially on the flat, because Marcus Stragoning said last week, and I've I've struggled to verify this, by the way, 
but it was a very telling thing he said that there's a trainer in the UK who has 200 unraced two-year-olds. One single My trainer. God. That's bonkers. If, if he's right about that, and yeah. I have no reason to doubt that he is, for all that I can't tell you who, the, who that person is, Graham, and I've looked yeah. into it, I can, I can guess who it is. Um, Mr. Appleby. I can guess that it's Charlie <laughs> Appleby, and he's probably the only one that it makes sense. But it does give you an idea of just how much of a power vacuum is starting to emerge at the top. It's basically, yeah. like, like William Haggis has done phenomenally well to be in contention to be the champion trainer. And if Bayeed does what we think he's going to do on Saturday, then he will be champion trainer because you yeah. can't make up that deficit after he wins the champion stakes. But the horse has got to go and win. And that's for all he's a machine. It's not a given. Um, yeah. But it's not healthy. It's certainly not healthy on the flat. At least in jumps racing, it's there's always going to be Henderson and Nichols at the top but it's more competitive than after that. And Ireland was in danger of falling. Look, Willie Mullins is always going to be the, the king of it for now. Uh, the fact that Michael O'Leary is not leaving racing and he's now come back to Willie as well, just yeah. sort of is a great example of that. But Henry de Bromhead's doing incredibly well. Gordon Elliott's doing incredibly well. Uh, yeah. you know, there's plenty of, of big trainers who are able to succeed. On the flat, though, haggis aside, it really is Charlie Appleby and Aidan O'Brien. Yeah, and it, it, it's... I, I, I'm full of admiration for them to, you know, to be training that number of horses at that level is absolutely extraordinary. Um, but it, it, it's not healthy for racing as a whole. And, and it comes back to, to looking at the pyramid shape. You want a pyramid with a really solid base. Yeah. You don't want just a couple of people dominating the top and then everyone else just perhaps struggling a little bit for, um, uh, for scraps below them. Um, and I think if you, know, you, you would much rather in this country say, see, 20 trainers all competitive in the in the top 20 rather than two or three at the very top and then a drop down to numbers three four five six seven um and i, I think you know you 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 say nikki and paul at the top yeah, yeah you're absolutely right but i think we would you know we would like to think in five years time hopefully there's progress towards the bridging that gap and obviously from us but also you know some of the other um really class younger trainers that are coming through um i think that that that, that, that there can be really competitive um uh, jumps trainer championship in uh, in the in the coming years yeah you certainly like to think so uh, and yeah. even just yeah. with the way the sales have been going like i was interviewing sir mark prescott this morning and he was at the sales um so you briefly hear the the announcer in the background uh, the auctioneer <laughs> in the background just at the very very end of the interview but I was speaking about it on, on TalkSport afterwards. Like the fact that William Haggis has had, a hundred, I think the number I came up with was, it's 161 runners less than Charlie Appleby. And yeah. he's he's only less than 100 grand off. Um, so yeah. like it's it's his if he wins, the if, if Bayeed wins. But the fact that Charlie, and look, well done to Charlie Appleby. He's doing remarkably well. But he can have 161 more runners than the the man who's pushing him to be trainer's champion. It's kind of, it's crazy, and yeah. and that number is only going to increase in the years to come because Sheikh Mohammed has gone on an absolute spending spree at, at Tattersalls, and there seems no sign of that stopping anytime soon either. No, no, and and, and I think it, yeah, we're 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 lucky that British racing is still supported at the top end in that regard, but when it's supported. In, in only a few yards, that's when um, perhaps the, uh, uh, the, the the trouble starts. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
Let me get five horses from you to follow for the new season. Oh, crikey, that's a tough one. Um, so we are I, we're, we're spread across two yards. So I'll, I'll give you I'll give you five from uh, from Martin Till, which uh, and then Ferg can give you the Ravenswell horses when you speak to uh, to him next year. Nice. Um, there's there's a. Um, uh, lovely youngster who I would hope that you'll see out before too long um, uh, called Ebony Warrior. Um, unraced at the moment, but he's a he's a really smart sort for the future. Um, I will give you, if you want a nice solid handicapper, not particularly high grade, but always runs his race, what's called Barakoff. Um, I will say, in fact, we probably should have done this yesterday because I could have given you, given you in first time out. But the horse that won yesterday, well, at Huntington, Thundersock Sunday, who really grew up at the end of last summer over a fence, and he's now doing what he's bred for, uh, and hopefully he's still got a few pounds in hand. Um, and um, I'll give you one coming back from an injury, uh, a nice mare called Philippa Sue. Um, she ran a really nice race last year uh, to finish second on, on debut over hurdles at Lingfield, then hurt herself down at Fosslass, hasn't been out seen out since but she's one that we really like. Uh, and then I'll save the best till last. Lovely horse called Marble Sands. Um, he's He was a really smart bumper horse. Um, only ran four times over hurdles last year. Didn't win. Was never beaten more than two or three lengths. Um, finished second in the EBF final at Sandown at the end of the season. Um, he's still a novice for this year. And he, he's one personally that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I own a chunk of him. <laughs> If a certain, uh, if a, if an owner who's got green and gold silks makes a phone call, so after this podcast, if Frankie Tightlips gets onto him and says, "JV, there's not to be buying there now," uh, does this mean the price goes up? And if and if so, do I get a percentage? Well, I, on, on that on that particular one, I I, I can say my share is not for sale, but I know I know the other owners as well. They wouldn't sell him. Uh, for all the tea in China, frankly, he's he's one they absolutely love. He's one that we bought bought as a three year old back at the um, stores up at Goffs uh, a couple of years ago, and we always thought he was going to be a nice horse. And and I think this well, he, he's proved he's a nice horse. And I think this year the fun will really start with him. That's the perfect answer, by the way. Well, my yeah. share's not for sale. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I have no political ambition whatsoever, as they always say. Yeah. Seven-figure private offer from Frankie Tight Lips on behalf of JP incoming. Let's see how the response is to that, Graham. Uh, you can find out more about The Good Racing Company at the brilliant website, which is thegoodracing.co. No UK, that's it. Just thegoodracing.co. Terrific. Uh, you can find out information about how you can become uh, involved in ownership there. It really is a, a wonderful thing, and um, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Uh, and you can be part of Graham and Fergal's uh, yard as well. So thegoodracing.co, uh, that's where you'll find out more information. Graham, the very best of luck to you for the new season. Uh, hopefully you will be staying at the top of the Trainers' Championship for as long as possible. That, that's the idea, certainly. We'll, we'll, we'll cling on up there for as long as we possibly can, and then we'll stay as high in it as we possibly can until the end of the season. You're a good man. Really appreciate it, and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation as well. Graham McPherson, and uh, of course, we'll be talking to Fergal O'Brien in the coming weeks as well. Uh, more content on the Final Frontal Podcast coming your way. Make sure you hit the like button on social media for the various different tweets, Facebook, Instagram, and a uh, five-star rating on whichever podcast app it is that you're listening to uh, is much appreciated. Back on TalkSport on Thursday, 
Thursday and our Champions Day preview will be available Thursday evening as well. Uh, you can listen to Oshin Murphy break down the top two-year-old performances and indeed that brilliant performance from Mon for Oscar in the Cesar, which that's available for you right now. He talks about his comeback next year as well. All of that available for you now on the Final Form Podcast on this very podcast app. Talk to you soon. Be safe, be well. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.